0: Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message.
1: Who's sick of church and who's ready to encounter God? (laughs) All right, well, you've come to the right place then. All right, would you open up with me to the book of Exodus chapter three? Book of Exodus chapter 3, we love for people to come and bring their Bibles, uh, bring it on your phone, bring a hard copy, bring your Bible. Book of Exodus chapter 3 is the second book uh, of the Old Testament if you're unfamiliar with it. We're going to read from the beginning of chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to have it up on the screen. And here it is. Moses was sending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, a priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of a desert. Give me a wave if you know where the back of a desert is. Somebody put their hand up. That's awesome. Okay. Um, That's awesome. I have no idea what the back of a desert is. um, But God does. And he's actually got a purpose for putting it that way. In some translations, it will say west. But that's actually a deduction from the interpreters. The actual literal was the back of a desert. And we'll come to that a little bit later as to why. Uh, came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place, take your sandals off your feet to the place where you stand is holy. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. I just want to pause there for one moment. I just want to let you know that every time you encounter God, um, you're not being introduced to an unknown God. Moses was not being introduced to an unknown God. Moses was not being introduced to a new God. Revelation that comes from encounter is the intended end so that when you encounter God, you receive a revelation of God that you never had before, that encounter of God. I want us to know that. I want us to know that your encounter and my encounter with God is not just something that we experience at the beginning of our Christian journey. An encounter with God will instruct your spirit in a revelation that you cannot learn academically. You cannot learn it from going to a conference, reading a book, You cannot learn it from being in the green room of somebody. You cannot learn it from even going to Bible college as good as that is. There has to be an encounter that deposits something in your spirit and my spirit that cannot otherwise be revealed about the person of God. And that's exactly what Moses experiences here. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land good and large, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Cool. All right. I thought there was going to be more. Again, (laughs) this happened last service. I wanted a little bit more scripture there, but we're fine. We're good to go from there. All right. I just want us to kind of like set the scene of our conversation by just pointing out that at this point where God comes and has this conversation with Moses, that Moses is already 80 years old. I I just need us to see that. He is 80 years old, and there is nothing really up to the 80th year of his life that you can put in a category of glorious or significant. Nothing. In the entire 80 years, as a matter of fact, if you have a proper look at it that is unbiased, it's really a cycle of attempt and failure. A cycle of endeavor and letdown, A cycle of try and not succeed. That's really been Moses' life for the last 80 years. Now Moses in his spirit knew there was something deep inside of him that when he was growing up, he had a bit of a knowing. God has called me with an assignment to release the oppression of people, to see the people of God come into freedom, to transition God was actually depositing in him often there is a seed in your heart that foretells something about your future. The Lord was depositing in him that he was literally going to basically lead the greatest revival that has ever occurred in the history of mankind known as the Exodus. It was a revival and Moses was no sloth Moses did everything in his capacity to do that. So Moses, the Bible tells us, was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was educated. He was in the right social circles, if you know what I mean. He was a man of influence. He was the Prince of Egypt and he was a young man. Being a young man, he was full of vigour. He was full of vision. He was full of energy. He wore skinny jeans and had thousands follow him on Instagram. I mean, it he, he was cooking in the kitchen for Moses. <laughs> A couple of problems, though. One of his problems was that, according to the book of Acts, chapter 7, and verse 25, it says that Moses, when he went out amongst his brethren, the Israelites, he supposed that they would understand that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand, the Bible says. Yeah, that, 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 That's a bit of a problem when you've got this burning call, yeah. when you know you're called to something, but there is no human witness. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: There is no human evidence at all. You're thinking, but I'm deliverer, and everybody's going, <laughs> 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 What are <do> you on <laughs> thinking you're deliverer? What have you been juicing? What's the weed like in the back of a desert? You are no deliverer. People are thinking, what is wrong with this man? What is he on? Supposing deliverer, what deliverer? There is a problem sometimes when there is something so profound that the Holy Spirit has deposited in you and there is no human evidence. There is not an amen even from those closest to you. Moses finds himself there. Moses, as a matter of fact, had a go. You got to give the man something for having a go. Yeah. He had a go. He did his best, and in doing his best, he buried one Egyptian. But he the toes were sticking out of a sand, so he got caught. So Moses would be what you would call a failed deliverer. Yeah. He's a failed deliverer, and the icing on the cake. Is that his biological clock is ticking and now he is 80 feeding sheep, making somebody's future lunch ready. And getting some lamb kofta for those in the Middle East prepared as they're preparing the yoghurt. He's going nowhere fast. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's doing nothing significant and going nowhere fast. And he's 80 years old. Now, God is so audacious to come back to the same failed deliverer. And insist, I have no plan B for your life. I have a plan A and I'm going to bring it to pass. That's why I want to talk to us today from the thought of old shepherd with a new assignment. God knows how to take an old shepherd and give the old shepherd a new assignment. But then Moses has these objections, which I think are totally legitimate. And if you're under 30, they're legit. (laughs) I think they're totally legitimate. I don't know about you. We're going to go through them very quickly. But when I read it, I'm like, I'm with you, Mo. (laughs) I I, I have no idea what God was thinking when he he called you out, bro. I, I don't get it. So here's what Moses does in the book of Exodus chapter 3 and and, and chapter 4. His his first objection to God. He poses his first objection. He says to him, Lord, I lack credentials. In other words, he was saying to him, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I lack credentials. Once upon a time, I was credentialed. Once upon a time... I was educated in the wisdom of the Egyptians. Once upon a time, I was the prince of Egypt. So when I walked, people actually came and gathered around me and whatever I said they would do, I had credentials, I had influence. But now my only credential is I am a failed deliverer. And I don't have skinny jeans anymore. And when I wear him, I look like I've got the legs of a chihuahua on the body of a Labrador. I am not credentialed. And he said to the Lord, his second objection, he said, I lack content. He said to him, what shall I say? What shall I say, Lord? Do you know, once upon a time, Lord, I had a message there was something burning inside of my heart. I had a message, God. I wanted to go tell the people of Israel about you. Once upon a time, I wanted to go stand before Pharaoh and do all of his stuff. But right now, I don't have anything to say. Yeah. God, I lack content. And then, and then he says to the Lord, if those two are not enough for you, Lord, I lack converts. Lord, who is going to believe me? Nobody is going to follow me. Nobody's going to go after me. If I tell him, okay, the time has come for the Lord to deliver, nobody. I don't have converts. I don't have followers. I don't have people who trust me. I don't have any of that. God, I lack converts. Big one, number four. He says to him, I lack communication. He says, I, 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 I am neither eloquent. I am slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. Like Lord, when I, when, I check, when I check some people that may be more prepared for this, there's people that, that seriously you can fill their mouth with pebbles and put them under water and they'll still be more articulate than me. I lack communication, I'm not a communicator. I'm not eloquent of speech. Why would you choose me? I'm not the man with the microphone. I don't know how to do that. That's not my thing. And then the final thing, Lord, if those four things are not enough for you, let me tell you the last thing. I lack commitment send by whomever else you may send. Once upon a time, I was passionate for your cause. Once upon a time, I would pray day and night for an exodus, but not now. I'm, I'm a little bit indifferent. Now, I don't know about you, but those five things seem pretty legit. Have you ever experienced any of those five things? Uh huh. Now, I I need us to know right at the outset that when you lose self trust, that's good. When you lose self reliance, that's good. When you lose faith, that's sin. So God was saying to him, I understand all of that. I understand all of those objections. And I'm glad that I've got you to a point where you have lost self-confidence. I am so glad that you're at the point of losing self-reliance and self-trust. Because now you're ready. God had one answer to all of those objections. I'm going to summarise it for you in this simple, plain statement. Because in essence, Moses had one objection. His one objection was, why would this time be different? Why will this time have a different outcome to every other time? Why? Why, Lord? And the Lord had one thing to say to him because this time you're going to be clothed with my presence. Last time, Moses, we did this. Last time you went ahead, what actually ended up happening? You ended up setting the agenda. You ended up setting the pace you led and you invited me to your agenda. Now, Moses was so sincere, right? But who knows? We could be sincerely wrong. Uh-huh. So last time, Moses, when you did this, you learned how to serve me without the power of the Holy Spirit. This time I'm going to send you by fire. Last time you led and I was to follow, this time I'm going to lead. Come now and I will send you. And you're going to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, who knows that big doors swing on little hinges? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Massive differences that can separate your past from your future sometimes are made in minor adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. And they do a world of difference. There will be no Exodus unless there is a burning bush. There will be no effectiveness in ministry and in life and in revival unless you and I are first clothed with the presence of God. None. Preach all you want, pray all you want, do whatever you want. It ain't going to work. If you want to be an old shepherd with a new assignment, you're going to have to get clothed with the presence of God. Does it strike you strange or is it just me that God talks to Moses and the first thing after he calls his name, he talks about his footwear? (laughs) Is that weird or is it just me? Look, I mean, you've come all the way from heaven to earth to tell him, take off your sandals. (laughs) Serious? Just send an angel with another pair of sandals and we're done. Mm. That's not what God's talking about. Moses, Moses, take off your sandals for the ground on which you stand is holy. I want to show us what God was saying. I believe that the best interpretation of Scripture is through Scripture. Not what anybody thinks God is saying, but what God is saying. God could tell us what God means. He's okay with that. Now, if you know the story of Ruth, Basically, there was a woman who was from Moab, who was married to an Israel, a guy from Israel by the name of Elimelech, he died and one of the laws in Israel was that if there was a widower the next of kin had to marry that widowed woman and raise for her offspring. And if she had land that that she had lost in this whole thing in the transaction, that he would restore that land. It was known as the redemptive uh, law of the next kin, the nearest relative. Now Ruth fell in that space. So the next kin was due to redeem her, to raise up, all the losses uh, as a result of becoming a widow, But there was a guy by the name of Boaz who was not her next kin, but he was kind of two down, who really fancied her and wanted to get rid of the boyfriend, the middle guy. So Boaz invites the nearest of kin. I want us to see this, the book of Ruth, which is the eighth book of the Old Testament. If you open up to the book of Ruth, chapter 4, Book of Ruth, chapter four, starting at verse six. The close relative, when he was invited by Boaz to redeem Ruth and to redeem all her belongings, said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. That means if I have kids with her, I'm gonna have to give a portion of my wealth to her kids rather than the kids that I've already got. I'm gonna ruin my own inheritance. And then he says to Boaz, You redeem my right of redemption for yourself. I cannot redeem it. Now listen to this. This was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. The taking off of the sandal was an admission, I cannot redeem it. I am not up to the task, therefore I relinquish the responsibility and I give the sandal the responsibility, somebody else to walk in my shoes." What the Lord was saying to Moses was that Moses, when it comes to delivering people, when it comes to the work of redeeming, I alone am Redeemer. I alone am Deliverer. You take off the sandals. You take off the responsibility. You hand it over to me and you watch me do what I do best. Church is never going to have a revival unless it learns to take off its sandals. You and I are never going to have a personal revival unless we take off our sandals. Unless we can, in all truth before God, say we have tried and failed profusely. We have given it our education. We have given it all our know-how and our strategy and our programs. We have given it our best shot, but our sandals are nothing. We need you to take the sandals. I'll tell you now, if God's going to get us, get you to do something beyond yourself, He's going to have to give you power beyond yourself. God made feet, humans made sandals. God needs you and I to walk in what God has made, not what we can make for Him. That's why we need to be clothed with the presence of God so God can do it through us. Not so that we can do it for God. We're not going to have a revival because we're doing it with a little bit of help from God. Come on. We need to wake up to that. We ain't going to have a revival because we're doing it and God's going to bless it. He is God all by Himself. Thank you very much. Matter of fact, He said to him, the ground on which you stand is holy. That is the first mention of the word holy in Scripture. There is a law in Scripture known as the first mention When something is mentioned for the first time in Scripture, it never changes. Never. All that happens is it becomes unpacked. For example, the first mention of sin, the word sin, never again will you see sin in the Bible as a good thing. Never changes. It is what it is. What we do see for the remainder of the Bible is the unpacking of its devastating effects but it never changes. That is the law of the first mention. The law of the first mention, when you apply it to holy, that is the first mention of holy. God was saying to Moses, I am the redeemer. I am the deliverer and that is holy. That is set apart for me forever. That is never going to be for a church. That is never going to be for a ministry. That alone belongs to one Redeemer. There is no other name under heaven yeah. given among men by which we must be saved. One, it's consecrated. The work of deliverance is holy. The work of revival is holy. The work of fire is holy. It belongs to the Lord and the Lord only. Uh huh. Do you know if there was anybody? when I flick through my history reflections, if there was anybody who was going to be instructed and properly trained in the ways of the Lord and to, 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 to have effective ministry and all of that stuff, it would have been the 12 disciples, right? Yeah. I mean, seriously, they didn't go to Samaria Bible College. They were with Rabbi Jesus every day. Yeah. I mean, talk about the best training program you could ever have. Talk about being discipled by the one who makes all disciples. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you'd think after three and a half years of training with Jesus, they're ready to go and change the world, right? Wrong. Wrong. Because that's not what Jesus said. After three and a half years, Jesus said to them, don't you dare in the book of Luke chapter 24, verses 49 and forward. He says, don't you dare leave Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. After the resurrection in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, Lord said to them, wait until you receive the promise of the Father. You know what the Lord was saying? He was saying, with all of your knowledge, with all of your education, with all of your skill, with all that you have ever learned, you're still not ready. You have to be clothed with the presence of God. And only then shall you receive power. Then you will be my witnesses. Then the work of revival can domino through. I love it. The Lord can take any old, dirty bush and set it ablaze. The qualification of God is not that you're educated, the qualification of God is not that you've attempted and never failed, the qualification of God is not that you've got a squeaky, clean history. The qualification of God is that you catch fire. And then the Lord will send you on your way. God does not care whether you're right or 80. God will take any old shepherd and give them a new assignment. There's people here right now. You've given up on yourself. You've thrown in the towel. You've gone through some of those objections in your heart. I've aged out. I've lost my passion. You've gone through very similar objections to Moses. You've thrown in the towel. The assignment of the Holy Spirit, hear it loud and clear, is that He's throwing the towel right back at you today. I am sorry, your employer does not accept your resignation. The Creator does not have a plan B for your life, He never did. He knows how to take something that looks like such a mess and turn it into a message. He knows how to take something that looks like the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the earth and it was void and without form, it was chaos and He knows how to bring beauty He knows how to give you beauty for ashes. Have you been burnt? Good. Now it's time for God's beauty. Uh Uh-huh. So please hear me loud and clear. God has something very, very simple. It's not about an articulate message. God wants to touch you and clothe you with His presence. And it's not given to the holy, it is given to the hungry. If you and I will posture once again, God, here I am. I lay down all my credentials. I lay down all my successes, my failures. I lay down all my skills. I lay down all that I am. And I come to you. I need to be clothed in your presence. I'm hungry for your presence. David had a go for quite some time and it didn't work just like Moses. So he says in Psalm 21 and verse 13, be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. Because he realised, I tried glorifying God. I called people, O magnify the Lord with me. Let us bless His holy name together. I tried, but none of that worked. None of that had any kind of effect. So he finally clicked God, be exalted in your own strength. Yeah. There's a revival that comes not by the hands of men and women, but by the strength and the presence of the one who is fire. Yeah. That kind of revival. Paul says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and verse 10 Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, we, 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 we. We love that bit because it goes onto the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God, and we're ready to do some stuff, right? Shield of faith, sword of a spirit. Give me a helmet of salvation. Give me a one. Give me a two. Give me a three. We're ready to do stuff. We're so we, we think so highly of ourselves. That's not what the Lord was saying. That's not even what Paul was teaching. He said, "Be be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might." Then put on the whole armour of God. He was saying be strong in the Lord, not for the Lord. Yeah. Really good. Really good. Be strong in the Lord. Yeah. That means I get clothed. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. and make no provision for it. I put on the presence of God every day. Every day, it's the presence of God. Every day, hungry for the presence of God. Every day, it's the presence of God alive in you and I. You know when that comes? That comes when the people of God are hungry. That comes when the people of God are fed up with religion and religious gymnastics and repeated behaviour that they don't even understand but do because somebody else is doing it. That comes when we get real and authentic, when we take off the man-made sandals. That comes when we say, God, enough's enough. We've tried and failed, now we need you. I need you to clothe me with your presence. Holy Spirit, unless you clothe the church with your presence once again, the world will perish. Unless you clothe me with your presence once again, I'm just going to be a religious disciple. But God is wanting the church to return once again to being carriers of His presence. To being carriers of the fire of God. You know, um, I'll I'll have the worship team come up, otherwise I'll preach until 4 p.m. God instituted one thing when He said to us from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. We know the verse, we love the verse, we recite the verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Listen to this. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. See, the healing of the land is not just about the people of God repenting, even though that's required. Yeah. The healing of the land, God says, if my people will seek my face. Yeah. Seek my face, our one and only job. Yeah. Your job and my job is not to be effective and powerful. Yeah. It's to be presence filled. Yeah. My one and only job is day in and day out to be filled with the presence of the Lord. The Bible signifies fire for His presence. Our God is a consuming fire. You see that Moses in the burning bush, that's fire. You see the the. Clept fire at night over the desert pillar of fire over Israel all of that is just signifying the presence of the Lord the presence of the Lord is like fire on. on his people but that's God's presence because that is his very essence his very nature coming upon sons and daughters that's why there's tongues of fire it's the presence of the Lord, that the Lord is calling us back to. We have one job, church, one job, one job. Hear me, one job. Lighting of the fire is God's responsibility. Keeping the fire going is your responsibility. I want to show you one piece of scripture and I'm done. Book of Leviticus, chapter 6 have a look at this book of Leviticus probably the last time you read it was 10 decades ago but it's in the bible the Lord spoke to Moses saying command Aaron and his sons." stop there for a minute that's the priesthood he's saying command the priests so back in the old testament it was those guys who knows who the new testament priests are us Give me a wave if you're a New Testament priest. What about the rest of you? let, Let me have another go. Give me a wave if you're a New Testament priest. Kingdom of kings and priests. That's what the Lord has instituted. The priests had one job. Look at this. This is the law of burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be upon the earth, upon the altar, all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it it shall not be put out and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings a fire shall always be burning on the altar it shall never go out the priests had one job Do you know if the priest woke up in the morning and the priest wasn't hungry for the presence of God, the priest would not put wood and the fire that God lit would go out. It is exactly the same in the New Testament. Your job and my job, the fire that God will ignite, not you and I, we can't ignite nothing, but just like a candle we can receive. Before we give, freely you have received, freely you shall give. we got to receive fire, right? Your job, my job is wood every morning. Every morning. The Word of God is for daily consumption, people of God. It's not a cake for special occasions, it's daily bread. Every morning nothing religious about it you know what you're doing spiritually you're stoking Holy Spirit fire every morning you get up and you say God I need your presence fill me again I cannot go out into today what kind of a witness am I going to be unless I'm clothed with your presence how am I gonna go to work without your presence what wisdom am I gonna have to interact with family and with others unless you pour upon me fresh touch of your presence and every day every day every day you get soaked do you know what i love about a good aussie barbecue once you marinate the meat you can't unmarinate it comes one with the meat, doesn't it? I want to tell you soaking in daily presence of God is exactly the same. You become marinated in the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, what you find is old shepherd, me, has a new assignment filled with the fire of the presence of God. You find that You're no longer you anymore. Skinny jeans or no skinny jeans. It doesn't make any difference anymore. You've changed because God soaked you in His presence. You become what the Bible calls a peculiar people. His own special people filled with the Spirit of God. Do you know how demonic strongholds crumble? because the presence of God in believers comes upon them. You find that you're not doing anything. It's not about how loud you speak. It's not about how oh, Jesus' name. It's not about any of those formulas. Watch out for formulas. I wanna strongly encourage us good Pentecostal people. Don't mimic anything, get a revelation. But what you find is you find kabad. The presence carries weight. You don't manufacture that. You've just been soaking in it. So you find that you pray over somebody and all of a sudden now they get delivered and you think, how did that happen? Presence. Wasn't you, wasn't me. Presence. Presence. The glory of God that has touched you, that is upon you, touches them. And they get delivered, demons flee. Jesus, I know, Paul, I know. How come? How come? Presence, presence. Everything changes when the spirit filled believer gets filled with the presence of God and stokes the fire daily. You walk in his presence. The presence of God made Dagon fall over the false God. Why? All they did was put the Ark of the Covenant in but all of a sudden every idol started to bow not in the presence of a man or a woman but the presence of God. Christianity is about being united to the presence of God. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells? Dwells means actively occupies. Not dormant. Not I'm active and the presence of God is inactive in me. But actively occupies. How do I have the mind of Christ? Because He's alive in me. Because presence. Every day He transfers His truth by His Spirit into my spirit. Presence. Presence. Tell you what, there's an invitation today for every old shepherd to have a new assignment. There is no one who is disqualified. There is only one qualifier, one. I don't care what your marital status is. People call you a divorcee, God says you're a revivalist. I don't care how young or old you are. I'm telling you, you've written yourself off, not God. He's proved it with Moses, thank God that he picked up somebody in the back of a desert, the middle of nowhere in life, who is so aged out that according to human culture, he's beyond repair. But according to a mighty God, that's exactly what he's looking for. Won't he do it again? Come on, won't he do it again? Won't He do it again? Since when does God show partiality? Since when? Give me a minute. I've got to talk to these people. Since when? Since when will God do for Moses what He will do for no one else? Since when? Since when has He become an evil judge? That He'll pick out a man and say, I'll do for you what I'll do for no one else. Since when? I'm sorry, that's the wrong God you're thinking of. My God loves all one and the same. God so loved the world. that He gave His only begotten Son giving of Jesus is the great leveller that has made us all equal no one is more equipped no one is more deserving if you are in Christ you're good to go you know what remains I told you losing self-reliance that's good losing self-trust that's good losing faith that's sin you know what remains remains there now God is inviting you God does not bring his word because of infotainment Holy Spirit is inviting you to be touched by his presence and then to continue to keep the presence in your life and to build on it to marinate to be saturated Mark these words: You watch Melbourne go on fire. If just sons and daughters go back again to the presence of God. Watch what happens. Watch what happens.
0: Thank you for joining us for this message today.